Hello, everyone out there. Welcome to the Binge Buster Show. I am Tony Binge, and uh, we have got a great podcast in store for you this week. And before we get started, without any further ado, bring on my co-host. I'm talking about Chris Rock and Roll Plano. Chris, what is going on? Terrific, Tony. What is going on? We are ready to rock and roll tonight. I cannot wait for this episode. You are talking about one of my favorite rock and roll albums of all time, and we're kicking it back to the Crockett Cup again in the late 80s. I'm excited about tonight's show and hope you're doing well. I am doing great. And and Chris, the big news we got today, uh, you know, I think it's one of the things we've been wanting to hear. Um, possibly no more masks coming up. What do you think? I mean, I don't know. We heard from Governor Roy Cooper today. We've been hearing from Dr. Mandy Cohen, our, our state doctor here in North Carolina, who Tony, let me tell you on the side, Dr. Mandy Cohen's been doing very well for herself professionally on the national level. I think we might be seeing her in government a little bit soon, even further beyond where she's at. But, hey, it looks like masks may be coming off, maybe outside and maybe indoors as well. Governor Cooper alluding to a lot of things today. And I think a lot of things are going to open up here in the next couple of weeks post-Memorial Day. I think things. I think the floodgates are about to open here. You know, like when the floodgates are ready to burst open. I think that's where we're about at right now, and I think it's going to kind of flush through. Yeah, I think you're right on that, and uh, I am excited. Uh, speaking of excitement, I know last week's show we were uh, we were kind of all over the place. Uh, finally, getting back in the swing of things after being on a little hiatus for a little bit. But uh, the big the big story we had last week was the NAWA's homecoming. Uh, Chris, I was there. I sold some merchandise. I signed some autographs. And I saw the NAWA put on one of the greatest shows that I have ever witnessed them do in a long time. But the most important thing, Chris, was this was the first show back with fans in the building. Uh, and I, I got the, the promoter called me. He said, Tony... He said, I got a spot for you uh, if you want it. And I said, uh, no, thanks. I'm not coming to wrestle. I am coming to sell. I'm going to sit there with my at, at my table. I'm going to sign some autographs. I'm going to sell some merchandise. And I want to sit back and watch the people because I haven't seen fans in a wrestling event in over a year. Um, and so I put at my table right there, right ringside. Um, and uh, from, the first, from the first bell to the last bell, uh, it was a barn burner for sure. Um, and, and what was crazy, Chris, one of the matches was the, the sheik and I can't even tell you his name. I just know he was a sheik, uh, taking on, uh, the pride of, uh, Burt County. I'm talking about little Donnie. Uh, oh my God. let me tell you, Chris, they beat themselves, uh, all over that building. Uh, they came over to my gimmick table and right when they got close enough, I said, listen, if any of you idiots hit my table, I'm going to beat both of you up. And, Chris, guess what happened? 
They both ran away. You beat both of them <laughs> up, didn't you? No, I didn't, but I wanted to. I, man, I, I, the, the roar of that crowd, I was ready to get in that ring. Uh, that match was great. There was a lot of matches were great, but the main event was the one to see. Um, it was the, the mask interns, the former NAWA tag team champions uh, with their uh, – with their manager James McCone and one of their tag team partners there at ringside, AJ Frost, uh, as they took on the uh, hometown heroes of the Moonshine Express uh, with their manager of the night. Uh, I'm talking about WWE uh, legend uh, Henry Godwin. And fans, uh, in the next few weeks, Mr. Godwin's going to be on the Binge Buster Show telling his story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if some of you people at home don't know who um, – uh, Henry Godwin is go back and look. I mean, he was a tremendous star. Uh, but my favorite character that he portrayed was definitely um, Shanghai Pierce. I loved when he had that gimmick in WCW, and uh, and I did go backstage and talk to him there at the NAWA and I told him, I said, brother, you still got them Austin Hall boots? And he said, what do you know about Austin Hall? You too young about Austin Hall? I said, brother, I got. Tons. Of, I, I got several pair of those, uh, and I've sold more than I still have. So I know a lot about them. And uh, he and I talked for a little bit, and he said, uh, "So somebody tells me that uh, you got a a major podcast going on here in the Carolinas." And mm-hmm. I said, "Yes, sir." And he said, "Well, uh, mark me down because I'm coming, and I'm I'm coming with the with the pellet slop." And uh, he came with the pellet slop Saturday night because uh, after the interns got got beat there in the middle by the moonshine express uh, uh henry godwin got in the ring with that pillow slop and aj frost he got the brunt of it he got all that nasty stinking goat smelling uh, uh pu- pukey i don't know slop dumped all over him and uh from what i understand from the ring crew they had to they they, they couldn't even clean the canvas they had to throw it away and get a new one uh but Fans, what a tremendous night of wrestling it was. And I was so glad to be part of it, and I can't wait for the next one. The next one, I'm going to be you know, lacing up the boots and getting in there. Uh, but, Chris, man, it was, it was an amazing time. Man, I'm glad you had a great time, Tony. I mean, I mean when you told me about this show last week, these guys are fired up. I mean, they're, they're ready to go, and I think it's all – just a part of this COVID-19 thing. Everyone's wanting to get out. The wrestlers want to get out. The fans want to get out. They want to see some great local, regional wrestling and independent wrestling. And I I think it's kind of somewhat the perfect storm uh, to an extent. And I think it's only going to get better, you know, from here. And, um, you know, hey, great for them to be. And I know they got some great shows coming up here this summer into the fall and these guys they're going to be cooking for the rest of 2021 and, and rocking and rolling and tony who knows you and i i know you're already showing up on their shows i might have to make an appearance as well and uh you never know what could happen we do some interviews never see so much and uh <laughs> maybe some uh, wrangling going on on the side as well hey i uh, i told him i said uh i said you guys better be glad that me and my and my manager Chris Plano aren't, aren't here. We'd be taking over this company just, just like you, just like you and I, just like you and I took over that little company there in Charlotte a few years back. Uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) We, we tore it down. We tore it down and, uh, man, I'm excited, but, uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this week's podcast as it is the, 
you know, Chris, uh, you and I, we have a lot in common. But uh, but one of the main things is our love for 80s music, 80s wrestling, anything 80s. We love it. Uh, and uh, in the next few weeks, Chris and I are going to be starting a new podcast. Uh, we'll tell you more about that later on in the upcoming weeks. But tonight is going to give you a little taste of that as we're going to go back in time to 1987 and 1988 uh and we're gonna be talking uh a classic album that came out this week in 1987 and we're also going to be talking the uh the third annual and really the last crockett cup under the uh jim crockett promotion banner uh we're gonna be getting into that later on here in the next little bit but right now without any further ado let's get into our flashback discussing a very, very popular and a and one of my all-time favorite albums coming up right after this. This week's classic flashback. All right, fans, welcome back to the Binge Buster Show as we are talking Motley Crue, Girls, Girls, Girls. It was released on May the 15th, 1987, recorded at one-on-one recording studios and Conway recording studios in Hollywood, California. The album lasted 39 minutes, 54 seconds, with a ton of hits featuring the title track Girls, 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 Wild Side, and the uh, love ballad You're All I Need that was banned by MTV. Chris, uh, Girls, 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 1987. Uh, <laughs> what do you got to say about this album? Oh my God, this was the album. <laughs> I mean, for for me, for Motley Crue as a fan, um, this is the album. I, I I mean, every time they play Girls, 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 no matter where it is in the set, I can relate to it. And Tony, having and I don't want it. I don't want. I don't want the fans to be mad at me, but being a I I visited Tattletales in Atlanta a few times. I mean, it's uh, it's very near and dear to me. And this is what really made Motley Crue. You got the motorcycles. They had the look. They had the girls. They had the booze. They had everything every guy wanted in his life on a Friday or Saturday night. No doubt. For sure. And, uh, you know, I we we could do a month long podcast just on Motley Crue and our and our <laughs> our our, uh, our experiences, seeing them in concert and everything like that. But uh, but this album right here, it 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 is kind of it kind of holds a special meaning to me because you know I, I know if you guys fans can go back and listen to some of our other podcasts as as I had mentioned this before, um, wrestling got me into Motley Crue because the first time I ever heard Motley Crue was. Uh, they were introducing Baby Doll, our good friend Baby Doll. Um, they were introducing her to Crockett Promotions as Tully Blanchard's new uh, Perfect Ten, and the video vignette that they made for her her appearance was "Looks That Kill." And when I heard that song, I was like, "Man, that song sounds really cool. I like this song. I got to find out who who sings this song." Mm-hmm. And once I found out, I'm like, "Motley Crue, wow!" And uh, and, and as a young kid, I thought, you know, a band only has one album and that's it. You know, I had no idea that they, they, they put out more albums. Um, 
And then it was the summer of 87 or the spring of 87. I was in middle school and I see all, all a lot of my classmates. They're wearing these Motley Crue girls, girls, girls t-shirts. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, Motley Crue. What, what is girls, girls? Motley Crue sings looks that kill. And they're like, oh, no, they got a new album that just came out. It's called Girls, Girls, Girls. You should really check it out. It's a really cool album. And so, and so at the time, Chris, um, my, uh, you know, I had no job and I went to my mom and dad who, you know, was Mm -hmm. Bible thumpers. And I said, Hey, uh, can I get $10 to go down to Kmart to buy this Motley Crue girls, girls, girls album? And of course they told me no. Um, so, uh, so I'm like, wow. So what I've done, this is, this is a, a true story, funny story. So for a week I would tell my mother, Hey, can I have a couple extra dollars for lunch? Cause I want to get extra pizza. And so I would take that two bucks and I would save it <laughs> for a week. And then when I got the money, after I got the $10 saved up or whatever it was, 12 bucks, um, I tell my dad, Hey, uh, can we go to Kmart? I want to look around. He goes, yeah, sure. We'll go to Kmart. So good. Mm-hmm. So while we're in Kmart, I sneak over and, and Chris yeah. and Chris, remember back in the, in 87, when you go to Kmart to buy a, uh, a cassette tape, it w- it would be in that big plastic gimmick, you know, where you couldn't steal it. It'd be really that, that right. really long thing. Um, so I was trying to figure out how I was going to get that up to the counter to pay for it without my dad flipping out. Um, and this was probably the time that I found out my dad really wasn't such a stick in the mud that I thought he was. Um, I walk up to the you know, to pay for it. I'm I'm in line. I'm looking over my shoulder, making sure my dad's not walking up. And uh, he's thinking I'm over in a clothes department and he walks by and he goes, what are you buying? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, um, Motley, this Motley Crue girls, girls, girls tape. And he's like, Oh, girls, girls, girls. He says, you know, that was the title of an Elvis movie one time. And that, and I was like, Oh yeah. He goes, yeah. I like, mm-hmm. he goes, I liked Elvis. And I'm like, yeah. I said, so I told him, I said, yeah, that, uh, that that's what this is about. They're, they're like, re- I said, this band is redoing Elvis songs. And he's like, Oh Yeah. Let me see it. And I flipped it over. And the first thing he saw was jailhouse rock. <laughs> and I was like, and so he let me buy it <laughs> thinking that they were mm-hmm. that, thinking that, that they were, that they had, had covered Elvis Presley songs. And then when I get home to find out that I'm listening to a song about strip clubs, <laughs> you know, but, um, but any event, that was my story on how I got my, my girls, girls, girls album at home without my, my parents flipping out. But, um, but but not only was this a great album, you got to go back and look. I mean, uh, this was a time, Chris, that um, that that radio stations were really really starting to play a lot of heavy metal music more than what they did the years past. Because if you go back to nineteen eighty five and eighty four, uh, they really wasn't playing a lot of uh, heavy metal. It was more pop metal and and glam metal. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but Motley Crue for for the first time ever. They had almost a number one album, and the only person to beat them out was was Whitney Houston, and and uh, and, yeah. and and I heard Nikki say before that that really pissed him off because if you go back and he said when you go back and look at the album sales, they sold more albums than Whitney Houston did, but yet she was still number one on the Billboard pop charts. So yeah, so there we go with that with that idea, and uh, but. But talk about some great lyrics and great songs. I think Nikki Six was really at the top of his game, even though during this time was was kind of a dark dark side for him with his with his drug addictions and stuff. But 
I think the drug addictions really helped him uh, come up with some of these great lyrics to this to, to some of these songs on this album. Absolutely, and listen, I mean Whitney Houston, she had the MTV run with this, and 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 uh, I mean you know she was on top. I, I I mean at that time, so it's not like they were. Motley Crue was bowing out. They they were up against someone in in pop mainstream culture as right. far as who was number one back then. But hey, how about the first song on this album, Wild Side? Wild Side. I, I mean, mean, still sometimes the opening song for Motley Crue in a lot of their concerts. Yes. I mean, without that, it, sometimes it is the nostalgia first song for um, Mick Mars. But there's also some other great songs I love on this album that we haven't touched upon yet, especially like Five Years Dead. Yes. <laughs> that one sticks out to me. Yeah, we got Girls, Girls, Girls. Um, and um, All in the Name of is another one that sticks out to me. And then they got the cover with Elvis Presley with Jailhouse Rock, which they do not play in concert, to my knowledge. And But, you know, they had... The song, Motley Crue had not only the song, they had the video that they filmed over in Paris, France, in Atlanta, Georgia. They had the, I think they had the video. A lot of the other glam metal bands wish they had. Oh, and they pushed the envelope. And really, Motley Crue's video really pushed strip clubs into the mainstream scene as well. Yeah, I um, agree. <laughs> One of the, it's okay to go to strip clubs and look at girls and look at Roger, parts of their bodies. And Roger Harley. Cool yeah. to do. I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of people look, right. at, look at this album as they, they were glorifying strip clubs, but I don't think that was the case. Mm -hmm. I think they, they were, they were showing what, uh, what at the time they were all about. They were all about riding their Harleys hanging out together, mm -hmm. going to strip clubs, and having the time of their life. Um, think about how many men in this world would love to have that have that as their job. Like, think about this for a minute, Chris. Their, Motley Crue got paid to ride their Harley down the Sunset Strip, stagger into every strip club on the Sunset Strip. For God's sakes, during this time, Vince Neil married a mud wrestler stripper, I mean, <laughs> they were they were living the they were living okay they, at, the, at this right. time. You look up, you look up the definition of rock star, and you're going to see Tommy, Nicky, Vince, Vince, and Mick. Right. Period. I mean, Motley Crue was living the life of what every common, everyday worker like you and I do. They were living this fantasy life that every guy wanted to, and we were living vicariously through that. Yes. Whether you were a teenager growing up through high school and middle school, or you were in college, or you were a, a professional out of industry, you were living vicariously through them because they were doing things that, yes, can we do it? Yeah, to an extent, but in reality, no. But that's part of the mystique and the fantasy of it. And, you know, to this day, that us, our women still <laughs> come down on the side a little bit. It's like you're trying to be someone you're not, but right. it's all part of the fun and games as well. Right. And, <laughs> and one of the, another thing I want to point out about this, uh, about this album, um, if you go back prior to, okay, theater of pain, uh, Motley was just like a lot of the bands that were out during that time. I'm talking about like Cinderella mm -hmm. and poison and bands like that. 
they they were the glam metal. They were they were you know wearing the spandex and the makeup and the teased up hair. Um, and when Motley came out with girls, uh, they went complete polar opposite of that. They went all black leather, no makeup. Uh, you know, they they looked like an everyday guy that you would see riding his Harley down. You know, the Sunset Strip. Um, they they stripped down their sound. They 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 made it raw. And I think that's one of the things that made this album sound so good um, was the fact that, yeah, yeah, with Wild Side, you, you, you know, you, you did have sound effects in the background. You, know, you had screams and, 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 and sirens and things like that. And then girls, you had the motorcycles. But, it, but if you listen to the music, like it didn't sound like Theater of Pain. Um, it wasn't like commercialized sounding. Um, it sounded it sounded like like you read a concert, and it was raw, and it was in your face, and the lyrics were the same way. But but then, like you said, you kind of touched on a little bit ago about the the videos. Um, they had three videos from this album: Wild Side Girls, 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 and You're All I Need. Now, um, before I even get to You All I Need, let's let's get into Wild Side. Wild Side was a cool video because it was it was kind of like an, an advertisement for the tour because it lets you see kind of what the tour looks like. And and when you see Tommy Lee's drum set come up off the floor and start turning, you're like, my God, I got to get a ticket to go see see this freaking thing, see how this thing works, mm-hmm. you know? So um, I like that about that video. But but then we, we get into Girls, 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 and who, who who wouldn't like that video? And I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, some of you fans may know or may not know, but Nikki Six said in an interview once that when they made Girls, 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 they made two videos. They made an uncensored version, and they made the version that, that they knew MTV would play. But what they did was they sent the uncensored version to them, which – when you when you look at the video, you say uncensored. You're thinking, "Oh my God, it's gonna be a bunch of naked girls running around." It wasn't. All it was was Vince. The only difference between that one and the original one that was played on MTV was Vince Neil sitting in a chair, and he had three girls that that had bathing suit bottoms on but no tops, dancing around him. That was the that was the only that that was about the only uncensored part of that video. So it wasn't like nothing like all. But I think Nikki done that video just to kind of, you know, stick it to MTV because at the time MTV mm-hmm. was kind of refusing to play some of their stuff. Um, so I think he was just being Nikki, <laughs> which is funny. Um, but then we, but then we want to get to the video that was uh, that was never seen on MTV. It was banned. Uh, a lot of radio stations banned it. Uh, the song is called "You're All I Need." Now at the time. Oh. About the song, you know, it, it talks about you know the, the basically the, what the song's about is about a boy and a girl breaking up and the guy killing her. Um, but really, what this album was, it was kind of a again Nikki being uh, kind of a smart aleck. Um, a girl he was dating at the time was um, you know, before he wrote the song, uh, she had broke up with him and started dating um, Jack Wagner, who had that big hit in 1984. You're all I need. Um, so Nikki decided to write a song just like it, but he turned it around and, and made it like, uh, you know, I'm gonna kill you, uh, just to kind of scare, <laughs> to scare her up. But if you go mm-hmm. back and listen to the song, man, the melodies and the mel- and melodic tunes of it, um, the song sounds really cool, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, 
hey, for a song to get banned, <laughs> you're probably pretty cool. And actually, I think that actually has a reverse effect with the fans. They love that shit. Yeah. When it gets banned. Ban something, because I, now I really want to see what it's about. What 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 made Kinda it? Kind of like what Twisted Sister did, you know what? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like, it almost fires your fan base up even more if right. you were to ban it. Because now I have to have it. I have to go search it out. I have to see what, what the hell this is. Right. So in a way, they're almost uh, enabling the band a little bit. Um, but, of course, we're going way, way back here to, to, to you know, mid-80s here, which is way pre-internet, way pre-any technology here. But back then it was like, oh, my God, I got to scramble to get this because there's something here that, no one else may be may not even be able to see. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. And yeah. it worked. And they used it as an advantage instead of a disadvantage. Yes. You know, in their marketing and promotions. Right. And and one of the cool things that um that I want, uh, it's kind of a backstory here, but uh, you know, all those years from 1987 to 2015, um, I always. Uh, would I'd watch the girls, girls, girls video, and I, in my mind, I could picture how cool it would be to like see those places, see the Seventh Veil, and mm-hmm. see the body shop and all that. And when I went to LA for the first time, I found that place by total accident. Um, my friend and I, we were out looking for something to eat at midnight. Uh, of course, everything's open at midnight, right? In Hollywood, mm-hmm. yeah, and um. But we happened to stumble across the Sunset Strip. Our hotel, uh, and I've talked about this before on the other podcast, but our hotel was basically a block from the Sunset Strip, which I had no idea, but it was. Um, so we get in our little rental car, and we start cruising up, and I look mm-hmm. up, and I see Sunset Boulevard. And I looked over at him. He looked at me. And we both grinned at the same time, and he's like, dude, we just found the Holy Grail. I'm like, yes, we did. I said, and yes, we, I did. said, and we're going to keep driving and see what all we can see on this. And we drove mm-hmm. up the Sunset Strip for I don't know a few miles, and and that little trek of land that we drove on, I saw like four to five of the things I always wanted to see concerning Motley Crue. I saw the Whiskey a Go Go, mm-hmm. and I got excited. I saw nice. I saw the. Um, the the Roxy and I was like oh my god and he and I both are losing our mind at this point and then we see the Holy Grail we see the body shop and and it looked exactly like it looked on the outside on the girls 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 video when when Nikki and uh, well when the, when the whole band is sitting on their Harleys and the girls are walking down the street and Vince goes hey Tommy check that out man what Vince wear hey right there it it the outside is identical still t- to this day of that video. And mm-hmm. that moment in time froze for me. And I know it did him, him as well. Um, cause he said, he looked at me, he said, we are two of the luckiest son of bitches in the world. Cause we are here where Motley Crue ruled the world. <laughs> I said, yeah. And he goes, and we're here to see them play their final show. I said, yes. He said, it's a Motley Crue weekend and we're going to live it up. And we were actually going to go into, um, the body shop, but then we um, we decided to, um, to to we we actually went and got something to eat, and by the time we got that, our body started to crash, and it was you know because we, we we'd been out traveling for I don't know twenty hours that day because we got you know stranded at the airport, 
But um, so we, we didn't make it in the body shot, but we did make it in front. And I took a lot of pictures and I posted it on Facebook. And my wife uh, messaged me and said, "What? Why are you posting pictures of a strip club?" And I'm like, "It's not just a strip club." That is where they film girls, girls, girls. Mm-hmm. You know that. that yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a, I do, yeah. And she's like, oh, "Okay, yeah." And and another mm-hmm. and another another cool thing happened on that trip. We um took another little tour, and mm-hmm. uh, we 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 were out in front of the Playboy Mansion. So right. so I checked myself in to the Playboy Mansion on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, that was really cool. How how often can you do that? You know, you can't do that. And uh uh it was it was really cool. It was a cool experience and uh I knew I would have booked myself in the Playboys mansion anytime. Oh man, I'm telling Couple you. A couple of girls hanging was, around you, I walking was trying. in the door. Well the cool yeah. well what was funny, Chris, was we were in one of them out mm-hmm. uh what one of those tour buses where they cut the roof off and it's like yeah. a convertible. And and we're sitting there and the lady, our tour guy, she parks in front of the Playboy Mansion driveway. Um, of course you can't see it cause it's over the mountain or over, over the trees, but we're sitting there and I see these two hot chicks dri- jogging towards us. And in my mind, I said, I want those to playboy bunnies. And all of a sudden she says, well, hello mm-hmm. bunnies. And they cover their faces. And I'm like, Oh man, I wish I'd, I'd stop I me. Mean, literally they walked right past me. I mean, I could have reached out and touched them if I wanted to. And my, my friend looked at me he says, dude, he said, this trip is amazing. He said, not only have we seen the Holy Grail of of Motley Crue, uh, you know, where they filmed their videos, we, we saw the Whiskey a Go-Go. He's like, but how many of our friends can say they just walked past a freaking Playboy bunny? I said, right? <laughs> it was just a great not time. Many. It was a great time, man. So um, so that, that was really fun and really cool. Um, and I know I'm getting off subject here about the Girls, Girls, Girls uh, album, but it was a great album. Um, I believe it was certified uh, platinum four times. Um, number two on the Billboard um, top uh, albums. Uh, Wild Side became a popular MTV video, as as with Girls, Girls, Girls. And, uh, uh, man, it was just a great album, a great tour. Um, and, uh, man, 1987 was, was one heck of a year for, to be a rock and roll fan. It was a great year to be a rock and roll fan. No matter who you liked, what genre you liked, what you were doing. But if you were a Motley Crue fan, this was the album. And they had many, they had several hits before this album, but this was the one that exploded them through the cannonball. Yeah. With girls, girls, girls. That was it. It was the, it was the benchmark. I don't know if anyone met the benchmark <laughs> with no. that video. No. Um, and, and, and it was the video that every guy growing up lived vicariously through because I want to be that guy in front of that girl, whatever it was. Right. On any random night in any random city. And that was the dream. And they lived the fantasy as it was portrayed on television and TV magazine and magazines were still strong back then at this time they, as they, well. Yes, they were very strong. And, 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 and you know, that was, it was just another angle and it worked. It was the perfect time for music television. And really 
I could only imagine. I think a lot of strip clubs. I'm going to leave it on this note, Tony. I think there's a lot of strip clubs throughout the world that owe Motley Crue some money. Off of the well, you know, talking about that, Chris, one of the things that, that I've, I've heard several people say is it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what, what strip club you go to throughout the country, mm-hmm. um, you're guaranteed to go in there and you're going to hear him play Girls, Girls, Girls. You're going to hear right. him play that song without They're a gonna doubt. Play it. They're going to play it for sure. Uh, and you're going to hear it. And you, and as soon as you hear it, you're, you're going to think that you're Vince Neil carrying some hot blonde down <laughs> to the back of the club the way he did there in, um, in, in the girls, girls, girls video, which was, which was really cool. Um, if I could say something, Tony, yes, to my, to, to, to my, to my record, I have taken two different females in Atlanta when I was there. We were visiting, you know, it was a Braves game. Maybe we were doing whatever, a concert. But I was like, listen, we got to go to Tattletales. They're like, why? And they knew it's a strip club. Right. I'm like, we got to go. They're like, why? I'm like, Motley Crue filmed like some 30-something seconds of the video. Yeah, they're inside or in front of Tattletales. And if, if you're a female, I'm not going to a strip club. No. Oh, they filmed some of the MTV video over there. Oh, yeah, no problem. Let's go. Come on. Yep. It's amazing. Yep. It's amazing. And, and, and when you walk in, they still have the Motley Crue pictures on the wall in the lobby. Yep. Um, and it's, it's a great, uh, I mean, like I said, to, to be, um, you know, 1987 to, to, to go out like, like they did, uh, and have a tour, uh, knowing mm-hmm. how messed up they were at the time on drugs and alcohol and women. And man, it was just, it was, um, you know, it was the epitome of, of being a rock star and they, and they lived mm-hmm. it to the fullest and I would put my money up against anybody. There is no other rock band out here in the world that could even hold a candle to what the crew did in 87, just, just 1987 alone, not counting what they did prior to, um, but, right. uh, but, but, but what a great album it was. And, uh, it'll always be probably my number two Motley Crue album of all time. Shout the devil is going to always be my first. Um, but, uh, but man, girls, girls, girls is definitely my second favorite album. Even the album cover looked friggin' cool. I mean, it, it, how cool was it to see them sitting on their Harley just, just camped out, and then when you open up that the record uh, mm-hmm. and see the back, you see Tommy Lee standing there back there taking a pee on the wall. I mean, it's crazy. Oh just yeah, typical Probably, Tommy, yeah. typical Tommy, and it's and it's, it's just funny stuff. Um, and, and we could talk about this all night, but we, we, Girls, Girls, Girls was definitely a great album. And and fans, like I said earlier, Chris and I are going to be starting up another podcast here in the next few weeks, uh, talking about everything eighties. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about Molly Crew and uh, some of the cool stuff that happened uh, in the 80s. Now, Chris, um, uh, moving on, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, fans, we're going to be talking Jim Crockett Sr. Memorial Cup Tag Team mm-hmm. Tournament 1988. Coming up right after this. Check this out. The third annual Jim Crockett Sr. Memorial Cup Tag Team Tournament took place on April 22, 1988 in Greenville, South Carolina. 
and on April 23rd in Greensboro, North Carolina, known as the Carolina Connection. 22 teams vowed to get the $1 million prize and the Jim Crockett Sr. Memorial Cup. Also, three special attraction matches saw Games Master Kelvin Sullivan taking on gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. The Midnight Rider gets his revenge on J.J. Dillon. And for the World Heavyweight title, the Nature Boy Ric Flair defends against Nikita Koloff. All this and much more coming up next on the Binge Buster Show. Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup, Chris. The final Crockett Cup under the Jim Crockett NWA banner before the major sale to Ted Turner. Uh, let, let, let's dig into this, Chris. Uh, last okay. week, last week we were talking about how the first annual Crockett Cup. Now, this kind of give you an idea of how it went from from boom to boom. <laughs> um, the first annual Crockett Cup was loaded with teams uh, and talent from all over uh, different promotions, the UWF and and uh, mm-hmm. NWA in Florida. But here on this one, the final, and this this kind of gives you the idea of where Crockett Promotions was headed. Uh, and I'm not in no shape or form knocking any of this talent. I'm just telling you it went from having a lot of talent to some guys you never heard of before, kind of like. Uh, on this one, we had some of the ta- some of the teams. Uh, of course, we had the um, Johnny Ace and John Savage. They were uh. they were a team. Uh, Chris Champion and Mark Starr, um, Tiger Conway Jr. and Shaska Wally. Now I did like that team. Uh, our favorite mm-hmm. our favorite mass tag team, Chris, the Cruel Connection. Uh, yes, number one and two. They yes, were there. Absolutely. They were there. Who's under those masks? <laughs> we'll, we'll never know. But shut up, you fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, then we got uh, Joe Cruz and Ricky Santana. Uh, mm-hmm. Here Now, here's a team I never heard of before and probably never will again. The Green Machine and the Terminator. Uh, the Italian Stallion and Kendall Wyndham. Rocky King and Nelson Royal. Ivan Koloff and Dick Murdoch. And, uh, of course, then we had our classics of... The Midnight Express, Bobby and Stan, the Powers of Pain, the Barbarian and Warlord, the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, the Sheep Herders, Ron Simmons and Dr. Death Steve Williams, the Mexican Twin Devils. Now we know who those are. <laughs> they mm-hmm. they were our, they 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 were also the Cruel Connection. Um, and then we have the Varsity Club, uh, Mike Rotundo and Rick Steiner, and. Then we also have Sting and uh, Lex Luger. And I may have left out a couple other teams in, in between. But uh, looking back at this one, we th- th- this Crockett Cup was definitely uh, different than the other one. We d- it is a two, It's still a two-day tournament, except this time uh, the first day is happening in Greenville, South Carolina. And the finals taking place in Greensboro. And I think this might have been – uh, Crockett's way of trying to make up to the fans of the Greensboro Coliseum uh, by, by you know, at this time, the uh, Starcade 88 has not happened yet. But mm-hmm. we got the Crockett Cup in Greensboro. Us fans at that point should have known we're not getting two big events in the same, uh, in the same arena. 
Um, because in 1988, they would move Starcade from, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting hit. I, I think this was a makeup to the Greensboro fans, brought them the right. Crockett Cup because in 87, they uh, took the uh, Starcade out and took it to Chicago. But um, getting into these matches, Chris, uh, pretty good starting off. We got uh, Johnny Ace and John Savage taking on the Lightning Express, Tim <laughs> Horner and uh, Brad Armstrong. And of course, they they would they would win. Um, then we go, then we got the Cruel Connection taking on the Sheep Herders. Sheep Herders wins that one. So now it puts mm-hmm. us into the Midnight Express taking on the winners of the Lightning Express Sheep Herders match. Uh, I'm not going to break down all this all these brackets, but right. um, the finals what uh, was Lex Luger and Sting taking on Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Uh, with Sting and Luger winning the Crockett Cup, um, but but what I want to talk about is the specialty matches. Um, one of the craziest, coolest matches I ever saw was the Prince of Darkness Death Match. Mm-hmm. Games Master Kevin Sullivan taking on Jimmy Garvin. Uh, as we know, fans during this time, Jimmy Garvin and Kevin Sullivan were in a feud as Kevin was falling in love and he wanted Precious. And uh, and uh, shortly after this, uh, we see no more Jimmy Garvin as Kevin Sullivan comes out on WTBS and throws the cinder block on his leg and shatters his leg, and he's out of wrestling for a while. And I think that was his way of leaving Crockett Promotions. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on the on the Prince of Darkness death match? You know, Tony, I've always had a liking to Kevin Sullivan. He always had something of about him with his interviews with his in-ring demeanor and just everything he did you kind of knew Kevin Sullivan was kind of a little bit ahead of the curve mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what at least that's how I always saw him and he always had this darkness about him that ooh, I probably shouldn't keep up with this guy but he keeps my attention at the same time. And yeah, Hey, it worked. And, and by no means was Kevin Sullivan a big wrestler for anyone, but he had some great microphone abilities and he just had some great abilities in the ring as well. That, that just put him over no matter what you put him in. It worked. Yes. And they and they really knew how to um, put it all together too, um, with 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 this. And Kevin Sullivan had such a great mind for the business, anyway. Um, right. And 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 I I did like this feud, even though it was short lived. Uh, out of this feud, we 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 got this match, the Prince of Darkness Death match. But uh, you can't forget the um, the uh, Tower of Doom that we had. <laughs> During the Great American Bash, nineteen eighty eight, and fans, we'll, we'll probably talk more about that in a, in a later podcast. Um, now, the next match that I really enjoyed seeing was the Midnight Rider uh, against JJ Dillon in a Texas Bullrip match, and we pretty much knew how this match was going to go. We just didn't know how long it was going to go, but we knew it'd be short lived uh, with uh, the Midnight Rider over JJ Dillon. Um, Chris. What are, what are some of your thoughts on Dusty Rhodes being the Midnight Rider? 
actually, Tony, I, I, you, you're probably going to raise some eyebrows here with, with me. Um, I love the angle. I did. But you have to put me in the shoes where I was at. I was a kid up in the Northeast in the late 80s that didn't have the full access of TV production that was being done by the NWA at this time. So when Dusty Rhodes, when I was up in the Northeast, came out as the Midnight Rider in the woods, around a campfire, a horse, and this and that, I was like, whoa, this is something crazy here going on. And I, there was, there was an angle going on. I didn't know everything that was going on, but I, but I knew the voice. I, I kind of knew what was, but it was like, this is something different. The NWA is doing. And I love the angle. They had the Almond Brothers song, the Midnight Rider. It just all fit. Again, I'm talking from someone who was a teenager up north. Yeah. But you might have looked at it a little differently because you had maybe a little more backline than me just watching 605 on WTBS on Saturday night, which is kind of only the access I had other than magazines. And, you know, but I love the angle and I actually got goosebumps with the, the Midnight Riders coming. It was like, I'm talking not the match. I'm talking the promo stuff leading up to it. That's what kind of drew me in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, and the cool thing was, was when we saw the Midnight Rider, um, a, a lot of diehard Crockett fans were like, wait a minute, we saw this two years ago. When it was um, the James boys, because it was basically he was wearing the same uh, one of mm-hmm. the, sort of the same mask. The Midnight Rider mask was a little different, but um, but it was the same concept as the uh, the James boys. But the Midnight Rider really got over, uh, you know, here in here in 1988. Uh, it was a, it was a good deal, uh, a good little angle, uh, and I think it served its purpose uh, here. Now, uh, our final match, right right before we go into the finals of the Crockett Cup, uh, Nikita Koloff once again going after Ric Flair, except this time the only difference is Nikita's got hair. <laughs> Nikita is sporting a flat-top haircut in 1988 uh, as he was trying to change his appearance uh, of uh, the old Russian ways of bald, being bald. Uh, he grew his hair out and uh, uh, had a, and sported a new look. And uh, later on in the summer of 88, he and Sting would uh, form a tag team and was feud with the Horsemen, but never uh, won the world tag team titles. But here in this match, Nikita, uh, t- once again, taking on Ric Flair, uh, another classic put on by by these two guys. Uh, and then we from there, we go to the finals of the Crockett Cup uh, as Sting and Lex Luger, the uh, new up-and-coming stars, future stars of wrestling, uh, as they take on the team of Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchett, the Horsemen, uh, and of course they win the Crockett Cup and the one million dollars. Um, 
was was this Crockett Cup '88 the Crockett Cups of the past? No. Uh, if I could name a Crockett Cup that was probably the best one, I would have to say the second one in 1987 that came from the Baltimore Arena. Um, that one was probably my favorite. Um, just a it was just a great show and a lot of talent on that show, and I liked how they took the um, the matches and kind of incorporated the angles that were running at the time. So that that was really neat. But uh, Crockett Cup 88 uh, took place uh, two two different towns, Greenville, South Carolina, and Greensboro, North Carolina. The venues were the Greenville Memorial Auditorium and the Greensboro Coliseum. Uh, great, great uh, night of wrestling action. Uh, for any wrestling fan in 1988, I did not go to this Crockett Cup. But... Um, all in all, I, I still think think at, for the time um, it was still a, a good show. Absolutely, Tony. I mean, there were some solid tag teams in this tournament, um, and then it really kind of slacked off. I mean, big time. But there were several tag teams that were legitimate, could have been legitimate tag team champions anywhere in this world in any wrestling promotion, hands down. And, you know, Chris, one of the teams that um, that were in this tournament that we did that we really didn't get to see much of that I wish we had of, because I think they, they would have had a good run, uh, was the Jive Tones. Um, I'm talking about uh, Pistol Pez Watley or Shaska Watley. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, I mean, he, he, you know, he and Tiger Conway Jr. Uh, really had some good heat going uh, at, at this time. They did. And Pistol Pez Watley back in the day with Paul Jones, big time thorns in their side with our good friend Jimmy the Boogie with him have Valiant, but with Tiger Conway Jr., you know, and I just, you know, you go down the line, look, you had the Fantastics in there with Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers. You know, you listen, Ivan Koloff and Dick Murdoch, okay, that's fine. Sting and Luger, you had, you had the Midnight Express in there. You had the Powers of Pain, the Road Warriors, the Sheep Herders. I mean, there were some great tag teams in this tournament. But then I think it was just a mix of who's coming in the door and who's going out the door. I think it was kind of a swing pendulum a little bit as well. In addition to the marquee single matches later on in the evening, um, which kind of anchored things that were going on. Obviously, there was some storylines there, um, you know, and then Nikita and Flair in the main event. I mean, that speaks for itself. Wasn't their probably best match they had. But again, there was a lot happening in Crockett Promotions at this time. And a year earlier, this card would have been rock solid. Yeah, for sure. Um very very good show, um, and I thought it was kind of cool how they took it to two different venues. Um, I think that also added another layer to it. Um, but um, definitely, uh, I enjoyed the Crockett Cup. And, I do uh, have a question for you, Tony, if I may ask. Yes. Because you said Crockett was kind of circling back around with Greensboro a little bit. Did you kind of say that earlier? Yeah. Yep. So what do you think the – fans were 
thinking in the stands at this time? I mean, I, I'm you kind of wonder. Okay, we're circling well, around. We I got Starcade. I can I can tell you kind of what I was thinking at the time as a wrestling fan was I know I was very disappointed when Starcade left. And when I found out the Crockett Cup was going to be in Greensboro, I said, okay, okay, not not too bad. Because just before this, um, in March uh, of 88, we had our very first uh, Clash of the Champions, and that was held in Greensboro Coliseum. So I think... You know, in '88, Crockett realized, "Wait a minute, I made a big mis- I made a big mistake by taking Star K away from from the Carolinas. I need to bring it back." And I think during this time, he was planning on doing that, and he was trying to make it up by giving us all these other things like the Crockett Cup and the Clash of Champions. Um, right. So I I think at the time, uh, you know, you know, had 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 he not sold Crockett Promotions to Ted Turner, I believe. Then in 1988, we probably would have saw uh, Crockett. I'm sorry, Starcade come back to Greensboro, but in '88, when I when I realized that the Starcade was no longer going to be on Thanksgiving night, and it was no longer going to be you know a Thanksgiving tradition in the Carolinas, at that point in time, I I knew Crockett Promotions was probably going to be gone. I just didn't know how soon. Right, and you already had that feeling in your gut. Yeah, yeah. Even as a, as a as a fan or as a mark back then, because I didn't know. I mean, I knew right. wrestling, but I didn't know the inside of it. Uh, and of course, back then there were dirt sheets, but I didn't know anything about them. Um, I would just turn on the TV in hopes of uh, you know wrestling being. But but then also, uh, it's like the angles were not as strong. The fuse wasn't as strong as they were. Uh, in eighty six right. and eighty seven, if if you right. go if if you go back as a as a Croc, if if you're a Jim Crockett wrestling fan, and you go back, the heyday, the the absolute best year ever of Crockett Promotions was nineteen eighty six, bar none. Right. But eighty four was pretty strong. Eighty five was 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 really getting turned on. Right. But when eighty six hit, it just blew out of the water. I mean, it blew up big time. Um, right. and, and it was still good in 87. Cause I remember going to the great American bashes, uh, in 1987. Um, and they would, they would be packed wherever, you know, wherever the, wherever the great American bash was, whatever town it was always sold out. It wasn't like you didn't look up and see a whole bunch of empty seats. Well, right. Well, when I went to the great American bash in 1988, Chris, they were selling in the Greensboro Coliseum, they were selling, all tickets in the upper balcony were only five dollars. So all what the, does that tell you? So all the people were buying the balcony seats for five dollars. All the lower levels were empty because mm-hmm. you know why? Why pay twenty dollars when well, you can I pay? I'm, I'm in the building, right? You pay five bucks and you actually still have a better seat up in the balcony. And I remember most of the time, with exception of just a few. Uh, that my dad would take me to Greensboro Coliseum, and we we went a lot. We went probably from 1985 mm-hmm. to 1987. Um, I would say we went to the Greensboro Coliseum every time they had a show there. I mean, just about every time. Um, right. And, and but, I'm going to tell you, some of those upper level, the Greensboro Coliseum, you were in the first 8, 10, 12 rows. They were sometimes better than than lower. Yeah, and and Chris, you know, in the old Greensboro Coliseum, how they had that tunnel where the wrestlers walked mm-hmm. out of. Well, well, yeah. well. Whenever we, whenever we go and we get seats there, it seemed like that's where we always sit. Uh, 
and we always sit right there at that tunnel, and we, we were, and we were on the front row. So I got to see the wrestlers coming out, going back, and I had had a great scene, uh, a great seat, looking down on the ring. I mean, it was uh, I always had a great seat. I've I've never, as a kid, go, my, my with my dad bringing me to Greensboro Coliseum, I can never remember going and having a terrible seat. Never. I mean, the seats were like like I said, there's not a bad seat in the Greensboro Coliseum, no matter and what. For five bucks. And for That's five dollars, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, for twenty bucks, my 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 dad, you know, would uh, bring bring me and my cousins, and uh, we'd go there, and then uh, of course we'd go and buy the buy the gimmicks, the t shirts. Uh, it was, and I remember hearing my dad go, "It's crazy. The t shirts cost more than our tickets." <laughs> he because back then, and, and all the big guns are on the show. Yeah, on top of it, five dollars. Flair, Dusty, I mean, they're on the show. Yeah, I remember that year we went. Um, I had bought, um, we had our $5 great American bash seats and I went down to the gimmick store, uh, and I bought a Magnum TA, <laughs> the boss's back t-shirt for $10 yeah. and I bought a, uh, what was the other shirt I bought? Oh, I bought a rock and roll express, uh, t-shirt. That was the one where, where Ricky and Robert was like a cartoon and they looked like, and they looked like they were rock stars. Um, I bought that shirt for ten bucks, and then I bought a Superpowers T-shirt for ten dollars. So uh, thirty bucks in T-shirts I had that night, and then uh, they got you in the door, or maybe a hot dog and popcorn and soda. No, I, I that that, that was even, the angle, I guess. Yeah, but but you know, I didn't even buy the food when I went. I was right, well, Chris. It's so crazy, and I, I'm still like that to 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 a degree. When I go to a show, whether whether it's a wrestling event I pay to see, or if it's a um, um, a, a concert. I, mm-hmm. I I get anything. I get my drink and my food before I go in the door, because when I sit down, I don't get up. I stay there. You're good for the night. I stay there. I don't move because I'm thinking right. to myself. I'm paying all this money to come in here. I don't miss anything. And you want to see the show? Yeah. And one of the craziest things I I remember seeing at a Motley Crue concert. Uh, I had went to see Motley Crue on the um Maximum Rock tour. Uh, this 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 was a show where, where they had Samantha Maloney playing drums, and I remember I'm up there in the lawn seats there in Charlotte, and mm-hmm. this was back when they used to have them bleachers up there, you know, and yeah, and, and you didn't have to. Oh, pay, I know you're talking. I know how you you're did, talking. Yeah, yeah, you didn't have to pay extra for the bleachers. They they were just part right. of it, part of the gimmick. You, you just first come, hung out on the lawn, right? First come, first serve, right? So I right. I so we get there early, you know. I usually try to get to a show an hour before it starts. So I get there, I get in there, I get my seat. I'm sitting on the bleachers. Me and my cousin were hanging out. I think I ran into you a couple times and said, "Hey, do you there?" But this guy was beside me, and he was screwed up, man. He was drinking all night long. And Megadeth played. They opened up for Motley Crue, and Megadeth plays. The guy's out there, and he's drinking. He's going and getting beer. He's coming back. He's going to get beer. He's coming back. He's going to get you know several trips, and. the guy gets wasted before Motley Crue comes. You're out. like, what's going on here, man? And I'm like, this dude is going to miss the show, and so he he looks over at me. He goes, "Hey, man, I'm going to take a nap. Wake me up when Crew comes out." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, right. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do that." So this dude lays his head down on the bleacher and goes to sleep. He's pa- gone for the night, dude. He passed out. Right? He saw right. none of the show, and then all of a sudden, my cousin's like elbowing me, and I'm like, "What, dude? I'm trying to watch Motley Crue." He goes. Move your foot. The dude's puking. <laughs> so the guy was puking all oh, over the ground, no. you know, but, um, I'm like, okay, thank you. But, um, but, but when I see that, I think to myself, 
this dude paid a lot of money for this ticket and didn't mm-hmm. see not one thing of Motley Crue. So, so to me, that's a waste of my money. I would, I would not want to be in that predicament where I'm so screwed up. I'm so drunk. that no. I, I don't remember the show, you know? And, uh, a couple of years ago, one of our good friends, you and I, we all went to see poison and mm-hmm. my friend that was with me, uh, he kept going and buying booze and buying booze. I'm like, dude, you better calm down. You were, you, you were front row, right? I was in, front you were row. right in front of Bobby Doll, yeah. dude, breathing on you. Yeah, I'm right there in front of Bobby Doll. You're over there by CC. We're on the front row. This dude keeps getting up. And of course, Poison's security is like, dude, you're, like- you're out of here. You know, they, they kicked us out of the, out of the front row. And, uh, but what pissed me off was they kicked me out, but I didn't even leave. I stayed in uh, my gimmick. I stayed in my seat the whole time, but they made me leave. They're like, no, you can't be down here because he's being obnoxious. So they made us go up into the grass. I was so mad. I could have, I could have DDT'd him right there. <laughs> and I told I him, I know, man, we caught up later on that night, Tony, things are on fire. You're going back. You're going back, uh, four years ago, yeah, to the day yeah. over four months ago, last month. But, uh, that was opening night for Poison on their 2017 yeah. tour, and and that was a great show too because it was Poison and uh, that, that that was the first time that I listened to. Uh, oh man, I just lost my train of thought. Um, but Bobby the, was right there in front Bobby, of you, man. Yeah, <laughs> Bobby, <laughs> the throwing the picks out. Brett's, Brett's running around the stage yeah. like a maniac. Yeah, um, but Jackal. That's the first time I ever heard Jackal because I never really Jackal. Heard. Yeah. And I was like, this band is freaking cool. And so now they're like one of my favorite favorite bands too. But uh, but I know we're getting off track of the Crockett Cup. But uh, but all in all, you know, the Crockett Cup was it was definitely a good show, um, a good good time to be a wrestling fan again in '88. Maybe not a great time to be a wrestling fan in 1988 because at that point we're not really sure what's happening to the wrestling world. But uh, it was definitely changing. And uh, in the weeks to come, we will find out more on the changes of the wrestling business in 1988. Uh, Chris, you got anything else left on the on the show before we go off the air tonight? Tony, this has been great. We talked Motley Crue, and I know we talk Motley Crue in some way, shape, or form every <laughs> week, it seems. And, uh, hey, we're on the cusp of the stadium tour here maybe in a month or two. We'll see how that plays out. We'll have more information for the fans on the show. but. Great time to talk about the Crockett Cup. It was an interesting time with Jim Crockett promotions and the talent they had that was coming in and out and and just things that were happening at wrestling at that time. But, hey, like I always say every week, it was a great time to be a wrestling fan and you saw some great wrestling talent in action, uh, whether you were there live, watching it on TV, reading it in a magazine or whatever was going on back then. Great memories, great things to talk about, and uh, so glad you had me tune in to, for uh, tonight's broadcast and be a part of it. Yeah, it was definitely a, a, a good time. Uh, I'm looking looking forward to next week's show. Uh, I'm not going to tell anybody what it's about. You're going to tune in next week to find out. Uh, go uh, like us on our Facebook page, and uh, and like I said, the next few weeks we got a lot of stuff going on with the uh, with with hopefully the the masks coming off. And the, the and the uh, the state opening up, uh, I think we're going to get back to normal, Chris. And we're going to—I know before we went on air, you and yeah. I was talking barbecues and rock concerts and just being able to hang out and spend some time together. I'm looking forward to that. It's been a while, man, and uh, I'm excited. I, I'm excited too, Tony. Listen, I'm I'm having planning barbecues at my house this summer. 
listening to some tunes on the back deck. We got some small concerts coming later this summer, maybe some bigger ones. But listen, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I can't say this no more. There's plenty of vaccine out there for everyone. And I know, Tony, you're a testament of it. And so am I. Listen, do the right thing. Get the shot. Let's get this thing. Let's get through this. And let's come out bigger and better and stronger as a country on the other end. And it's not that far away. I could see the glimpse of light down the road. Yeah, for sure. And 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 one more thing before we go off the air, fans, talk, as Chris is talking about this, uh, you know, getting vaccinated. I saw on Facebook, Chris. I sent the I sent the video to you. The Nature mm-hmm. Boy, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. <laughs> he got his yeah. baby. He's ready to oh. rock and roll. <laughs> hey, and listen, the nurse looked okay too. She had a big smile on her face, didn't she, Tony? She did. <laughs> she said. She said the Nature Boy. <laughs> <laughs> he said. The, he said the Nature Boy is ready to go. He got. He's got two shots down, and he's ready to go. And uh, man, I got my shots. Chris got his, and uh, yeah. we are ready to get out there and see the people have fun and enjoy life again. Absolutely. Hey, listen. I don't know what happened with the nurse, the Nature Boy, Space Mountain, all that stuff. But I do know one thing, Tony. You have your spot in line. Get your shot, as they're saying, the government and the the state of North Carolina. Let's do the right thing because we're going to come out stronger on the other end. I'm very positive of it. Uh, Me too, Chris. I'm I'm ready. Well, fans, that's it. That's going to wrap us up this week for the Binge Buster Show. Uh, Make sure you tune in next week, and we'll see you then on the Binge Buster Show. Sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels. Thank you for listening to The Binge Busters Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.